RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, friends, and as always, welcome back to another exciting episode of Red Pill News Live. Hope you guys had a great weekend. We've got a jam-packed episode for you today, and a special guest is on the line. We've got a quick announcement here at the beginning of the broadcast, and then we've got to talk all things Devin Archer. I think you can tell from the look on Devin Archer's face. He he looks like the cat that caught the canary. At one time, Devin was the best friend of Hunter Biden, the personal business associate and confidant of the big guy, Joseph Robinette Biden. But today he's just a convicted felon who's waiting to send himself up for his long trip inside a federal penitentiary. And so before making that trip, today Devin Archer testified before Congress in a closed-door hearing. We've got some information about what Devin said, and in the coming days, we expect to receive a full transcript. My good friend Jake Lang is here right after the break. We're going to be bringing him in, but In the meantime, if you wouldn't mind hitting that like button, hitting the share, hit the red pill if you're over there on the foxhole, and sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn, because we're going to be right back after a very special message from the sponsor of this program, our friends at My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply, of course, is right here. Where is the... I'm sorry. I guess I'm not getting the uh, I'm not getting the, the the look that I wanted. But you guys uh, are right now. Our world is changing in so many different and uncomfortable ways. If it's not unnatural disasters, it's political and economic disasters, and nobody knows what's next. So the bottom line is, you need to be prepared for anything that might happen at a moment's notice. You're not going to get a warning. This isn't a movie. This is the smartest thing you can do to invest in your future and the safety of you and your family. That's to purchase emergency food from My Patriot Supply at my special website, preparewithredpill78.com. And right now they are offering the largest discount they've ever given, a deep discount on a three-month supply of emergency food. That is 25% off. It doesn't come along every day and it won't last forever, so don't pass it up. If you act right now at My Patriot Supply, preparewithredpill78.com, you can get 25% off each three-month supply of emergency food. So get one for yourself, get one for every other person in your family. Once again, that's preparewithredpill78.com. And, of course, when you support the sponsors of this program, you are also supporting us directly. Joining me right now live from Washington, D.C., is my good friend, uh, Jake Lang. Jake, how are you, buddy? Zach, my brother, God bless you. Good to be on. 
God bless you as well. God bless you as well. So, Jake, uh, we had hinted a little bit last week about a special announcement that's going to be going out this week. And uh, if I uh, may be so bold in saying that would be the launch of your brand new network, Blessed News. Is that correct? Yes, my brother. This has been a long time in the making. It's probably taken an extra few months, to say the least, because I am sitting in prison right now. Um, I've been in prison for the last 925 days, but God has used my imprisonment and the political persecution to introduce me to all the amazing uh, patriots such as yourself and conservative influencers and podcasters, and we've decided let's take this big family of grassroots patriots and bring all these Christian conservatives together on one network, and I think by far we have the greatest lineup that's ever been put together on any single TV network. All right, uh, you guys. Well, we should be back in just a moment, but I've uh, I've hit stream again, and hopefully it's going to come up. If you guys uh, wouldn't mind in the chat telling me whether or not you're actually seeing this. Uh, Looks like perhaps I can see that we're live over here on Getter. Uh, but, uh, it does look like it is working on rumble again. Okay, great, great. So, uh, we are live once more. I don't know what happened exactly, but, uh, it doesn't matter. We're back on the air. Huh. Well, um, call it a coincidence, but I don't think so. The feds are listening, man. Uh, <laughs> they definitely live are. from the gulag right now. You might, might run into problems. Um, like I was saying, the, uh, the culmination of this effort has been just brought together by God. I mean, it couldn't have been done any other way. I'm, I'm in prison. We're putting together all these amazing people like Joel Oltman, uh, Professor David Clements, yourself, Zach, uh, Stu Peters, Pete Santilli, Ann Vandersteel, Wayne Allen Root, um, Phil from Diamond and Silk. we got Tanya Joy, Jeff Cruer kicking us off in the morning. Uh, we're just jam-packed from, from wall to wall about 20 different hosts on a daily basis from 7 a.m. in the morning all the way to 1 a.m. at night, and that is on weekdays. And then we have some special broadcasts on the weekends for you guys, too. All of this, and, and Zach's show every single day at 5 p.m. Eastern, um, Red Pill will be, I mean, just, you know, we're going to be crushing it over there. There's, he's, he's right in the, be, you know, the beginning of our primetime hours, and um, I think his audience is just going to explode over on Blessed News, so... I can't wait to see how this entire operation grows. Um, if you guys want to watch, uh, tomorrow is the launch date. Tomorrow, 7 a.m., bright and early Eastern. We got Jeff Cruer kicking us off and all the way through um, to 1 a.m. Please go right now on the iPhone and Android app store and type in Blessed News Network. Um, you can download our free app. It's streaming on there. We're streaming also on our website live, uh, www.blessed.news. Um, that's a sleek website. That's awesome. And if you guys want to watch on your TVs, we have the Amazon Fire TV channel, Apple TV channel, Roku TV channel, and Samsung TV. So plenty of different places to watch the best lineup in conservative TV. Um, I just can't wait to just get this thing off the road, off the road tomorrow, brother. Absolutely. And don't forget CanCon and Be Easy following me up at six o'clock. I think that's going to be a great show too. All oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, That's actually a super, super different show. We got the Gateway Pundit recap mm-hmm. um, that they're running. So that's a daily recap of all the different Gateway Pundit stories. That's 
Gateway Pundit's first TV show ever. They're branching out. Me and Jim Hoff came up with this idea together. Uh, Brian Lupo, CanCon, and Be Easy are, are coming together to run this show. I'm very excited about that, too. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. All right. So, Jake, that begins tomorrow morning at 7 a.m.? Yes. Yep. On uh, www.bless.news, free iPhone and Android app. Just type in Bless News on your uh, on your app stores there and then get connected. We are uh, launching and the sky's the limit. Okay, excellent. Uh, so uh, I will get with you after tonight's show and we'll make sure everything worked properly. And if it didn't, we'll uh, work on some type of troubleshooting, okay? Okay, brother. All right, man, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Exactly. And- God bless you, brother. God bless. All right. So that was Jake Lang. We're just uh, announcing the brand new network that he started from his prison cell. If that doesn't go to show you that you can basically do anything that you put your mind to. Hopefully we don't have another false start like we did earlier in the program. Let me just I have to get uh, the articles back up on screen here. For some reason, they're also not working. Uh, Lord. Help me. Hang on. Let's we'll go with that. There we go. Okay. All right. So I wanted to begin, you guys, uh, with a bit of an update on a story that I mentioned the other day. You know, I, I said a couple of years ago, if you would have told me that there were going to be hearings in Congress uh, admitting that uh, the United States government had some sort of program uh, to uh, retrieve non-human disks or or spaceships or whatever it might be, UFOs, UAPs, whatever you want to call it. You know, I would have been all over it. I, I would have been so excited. I would have said, hey, this is great. This is, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a, a bit of a pulling back of the mask so we can see what's going on. But clearly the timing of this story uh, has uh, resulted in sort of a malaise among the general public. I could care less because it seems like it's just something to attract our attention away from the problems that are happening currently with our government and in Washington, D.C. And NBC News reporting themselves that uh, – There is a stunningly uh, a great amount of disinterest in the story that besides a a few hilarious memes that popped up all over the Internet, nobody seems to care. So I am not alone in my feelings about this story being less than uh, the the groundbreaking bit of news that they were hoping it was going to be. I have a feeling that you guys uh, are on the exact same page with that. And along with it, uh, I had this uh, hilarious clip from Paul Hellyer. He was a minister of, I think, finance or perhaps in the Department of Defense in Canada. Anyways, he was an official government minister and he wrote this book. He's written a couple of books, but he he tends to go to UFO symposiums and talk uh, about whatever he learned, I guess, when he was in the Canadian government. And it's his assertion that the aliens are here. They've already told humankind what needs to happen, and uh, what's essentially this video is a a clip from a testimony he gave uh, where he reads a passage from a book that he wrote detailing the message from the aliens, and it's nothing short of them telling us that we have to buy into the leftist agenda. Listen to this. If you'll indulge me, I'd like to read two pages from advice from the extraterrestrials. Yes, it's true that we have been in contact with your government and heads of power. It is also true that we have been in con- it is also true that agreements have been made and kept secret from your people. I believe that. It is also true that in the past some of your people have lost their lives or have been badly hurt 
to protect the secret. Believe that? Our hands had no part in this. We contacted your leaders because your planet is in grave trouble. Oh, wait. Your leaders said the vast majority of your population wasn't ready for anything like us yet. So we made time agreements with your leaders as to when your people would be made aware of our presence. No, must be right your now. Air, your water are contaminated. Wait a second. Your forests, jungles, trees, and plant life are dying. There are several breaks in your food chain. Uh-oh. You have an overwhelming amount of nuclear and biological weapons. Oh, man. Which include nuclear and biological contamination. Your planet is overpopulated. Wait a second. <laughs> Warning. It is almost to the point of being too late. Okay, so basically the aliens are telling us that we've overpolluted the planet, we've overpopulated the planet, we've destroyed the food chain. So all we got to do is essentially stop having babies uh, and then allow them to tell us how best to live our lives. This is the very embodiment of modern day communism and the leftist agenda that they've been trying to push down our throats for some time. Now, is it possible there is a group of semi-benevolent uh, creatures that didn't maybe originate on planet Earth and they are uh, here to give us their wisdom? Yeah, it's, it's possible. Anything's possible. Um, but if there's anybody coming from outside of planet Earth to tell us how we should be living our lives uh, and telling us that the number one things we got to worry about are pollution and overpopulation, I, I have to put my foot down and say I just don't believe it. I feel like this is so obviously a psyop. Uh, they want to scare people into buying into that agenda because just forcing it upon us simply wasn't working. People were not buying what they were selling. And as a result, people have started to move away from that stuff. So this is why nobody cares about aliens, because everybody's seen UFOs. We, we've had ancient aliens on television for years now. There is nothing new under the sun. And so the thing that has to happen, I would imagine, for people to really care about this is that fake alien invasion. So keep your eyes open for that before 2024. Also, keep your eyes open for any other White House chefs who might find themselves losing their lives. I mentioned this briefly on Saturday night because it had just come out. Somebody had sent it to me. This is a picture of Barack Obama. Uh, just, I think this. All right. Well, you guys should be able to hear me because it uh, literally should start over again. I'm getting pretty frustrated. I don't think that I should have the same issue again here. I just changed the setting. So you guys tell me if you can see me on screen. Refresh. Refresh. I'm back. Okay, Dixie Bell. Thank you. Please tell everyone to refresh. All right. So I think I know what the problem is. And Fredo says, I too have spoken with the aliens. They told me to buy fishing rods and freedom seeds. I'm still trying to decipher their cryptic, their cryptic message. Uh, and then Patrick Manuel says, sent some sats, Zach. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate you there. Uh, and then we also had somebody send over a donation on Ko-Fi. I'll make sure that we talk about that before we go. But getting back to this update on the uh, the death of Obama's chef. So clearly it's days after his chef was found dead, drowned in the pond on their property. They lied about the timeline. They lied about Barack and Michelle being home when it happened. It sounds like maybe the kids were home as well. And then there is also another little piece that we're going to get into in a second. But 
I find it just a little bit suspicious that Barack Obama has this injury to his hand right here. We don't see his other hand because he's wearing a, uh, a, a glove of some kind for playing golf with. But I will say that these fingers are extended, you know, almost. I mean, I can tell you as somebody who has a, a, a major injury to my finger right now. Take a look there, guys. It's pretty gnarly. Uh, you know, you can't bend your your fingers very easily if they're all sliced up. His other hand with the gloves on appears as if he's got his fingers extended in almost the same way. So I'm wondering if perhaps he was holding on to some type of implement very, very tightly. I mean, we haven't seen any pictures from the autopsy. We haven't really gotten much word at all uh, about the state of the chef when he was found. But we do now know 100% that there was a witness present. Now, here's where it gets tricky because the police, although they've admitted the presence of a witness and this witness has given a statement about the last moments of Tafari Campbell's life, they will not tell us who that witness is. Now, can you guys think of anyone that maybe would not want to be implicated in the death of this private chef at the Obama household? I mean, perhaps Barack or Michelle. I, I imagine it's more likely that it would be Barack, especially with that injury he had to his hand. So what do we know? Well, the person who was paddleboarding with this man when he died has given this desperate account of trying to save him. Remember, this is eight feet of water, all right? And if you don't know how to swim, I don't know what the heck you're doing on a paddleboard in the middle of this pond. However, the unidentified paddleboarder says that they tried to swim to Tafari Campbell, but they didn't reach him in time. How long does it take for a human being to drown? I mean, at least several minutes. And if these people were paddleboarding together, they likely would have been in close proximity to each other. Now, I don't know about you guys. I've been with friends when they went under the water or when they appeared to be struggling as a result of perhaps exhaustion or maybe they just weren't strong swimmers. And myself, other people I was with, you know, you dive in. You dive in and you try to save your friend from dying. However, in the instance of Tafari Campbell, it looks like uh, it just wasn't fast enough. He died so quickly. Now, does that sound normal to you? Perhaps Tafari Campbell had been drugged, and that's why he fell off of this paddleboard and just failed to surface. Apparently, the person who was with him said that he lost his balance. He fell into the water. The person with him, instead of helping him, swam to shore and alerted someone else to call 911. That sounds just a little bit suspicious to me. Rumor has it the other paddleboarder was one of the fake Obama daughters who the chef was porking. They ended him because he wouldn't break it off. Sounds feasible since the DTRS were risked away. The the DTRs, is that like doctors? I, I don't, I'm sorry, you're going to have to. Um, anyways, I haven't heard that rumor, but it would not be surprising to me. Now I got to try to get a comment from his wife, but I feel, you know, when's the right time to ask the wife of the decedent? Uh, was he sleeping with one of the Obama children? Anyways, apparently Tafari Campbell was not wearing a life jacket. They also say he wasn't tethered to the board, which is like the first thing I brought up. So now they've answered my question. Uh, but he sank like a stone, uh, and we saw in that footage of him swimming in an Olympic-sized swimming pool that 
Yeah, he definitely could swim. I mean, he floated just like a regular human being. So I don't know, unless he was wearing lead weights on his ankles or perhaps he was, you know, strangled from behind with something. I just don't believe it's likely. Let me say, this is not the first time that somebody in Obama's orbit has died mysteriously in very shallow water. Remember Loretta Fuddy. We spoke about her, I believe, last week. Loretta Fuddy, the Hawaiian state administrator who put the seal of approval on Obama's fake Hawaiian birth certificate. She went down in a small biplane that uh, was piloted. uh, It was like a puddle jumper going from island to island. Everybody was fine, but she got out. She had a little kid's life vest, and then she mysteriously passed away very quickly. The story surrounding her death has also shifted on a number of occasions. Ah, Freight Awakening says DTRS means daughters. Okay, that makes sense, and I do appreciate it. All right. Uh, And uh, you guys, please, if you wouldn't mind, I would sincerely appreciate it. Since we had a couple of false starts, please share the show out there. Help us by getting this out there to the people in your network so that we can attempt to educate them on all things taking place in the world of news, politics, culture, and so much more. Now, this is another bit of information. I'm not going to go into it too deeply, but another Bio laboratory was discovered out in California. And this is relevant because the Chinese were attempting to set up one such bio lab down here in Florida. My guest on Friday was instrumental in getting it stopped. However, it looks like in California, they did not have as many diligent patriots paying attention to what the Chinese were putting in and what they were using it for. There was a warehouse in California that turned out to be an illegally run Chinese bio lab. They were working on genetically engineering mice so that they could carry COVID-19 and go out into the world, I would assume. They were also experimenting with other things like HIV, herpes, and malaria. So all of these things could easily be weaponized. And if they were to disperse it out into the public, well, then you're talking about thousands that could die very quickly. Uh, The people who discovered this bio lab, they uncovered about a thousand dead animals and then uh, many, many other dying uh, laboratory animals as well. So this was in Central California, and uh, if it were not for an errant hose sticking out of the back of the warehouse last spring, I guess the city would have no idea that this shady biotechnology company with deep ties to the Chinese Communist Party were there. Uh, They had industrial freezers that were filled with hundreds of vials of pathogen, like I said, thousands of dead animals, dying animals. And then, of course, there were also things related to COVID-19 the HIV virus, hepatitis, herpes, and so much more. Who was running this show? Well, it was a company called Prestige Biotech. Isn't, wasn't that in Step Brothers, Prestige Worldwide? Anyways, you guys tell me if I'm right about that one. Uh, so the president is a Chinese national called Jinquin Yao. He was the successor to the now-defunct company called Universal Meditech. Uh, Officials actually sent uh, 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 investigators to the address linked to both of these companies, but they both turned up empty businesses uh, or they had addresses in China that could not be verified. Now, apparently this was after a month's long investigation. Obviously, they didn't want to appear to be racist by just rushing into a uh, has haphazardly set up Chinese biological laboratory and asking them what the heck they were doing. Can you guys imagine if any other uh, American w- was operating a bio lab like this, that they would just immediately push through the doors. I mean, 
Warren be damned. They don't need that stuff. Uh, but here are some pictures from that bio lab. Obviously, it's fairly unassuming from the outside. There is barbed wire. It's just a nondescript warehouse. Uh, and uh, I, who knows how long they were operating. Uh, and who knows what damage might have been done. Here is a picture from the inside. We've got chemicals. We've got lab equipment, uh, furniture, uh, and then, of course, uh, all kinds of uh, uh, pathogens and, and dark stuff. So uh, the company of Prestige Biotech uh, is said to have shifted the operations of this company to this warehouse uh, after his initial company, Universal Meditech, uh, went out of business. Now, when officials were asked with or tasked with uh, searching locations tied to either the companies, again, the offices were abandoned, nobody was there, uh, or they had uh, addresses back in China. There's no way for them to verify any of it. Sounds like the Chinese that were running this laboratory, learned about it ahead of time, and they were able to ski-daddle out of there and clean out uh, their operation. I mean, this was clearly a clandestine, CCP-funded operation because there's no way that a Chinese national uh, uh, on his own would come and set up something like this inside America's borders. Uh, obviously, they had a very different level of uh, sanity or, excuse me, uh, uh, safety, security, and uh, hygienics uh, as they set this place up, far different from what they had uh, in their own borders. So, one more final word before we get into the news about Devin Archer. We have word from Senator Rand Paul that an official criminal referral has been sent to the DOJ for Dr. Anthony Fauci. This is huge as far as I'm concerned, even if the DOJ isn't going to act upon it, because it shows from an official source that Dr. Fauci acted in a criminal manner. Now, he is, of course, innocent until proven guilty, but never forget we have his own emails which prove that he lied to the American people. He lied to Congress. Everything about Anthony Fauci was carefully crafted and very, very carefully presented to the American people. So, he has uh, entered for, into the DOJ this criminal referral, and it relates to that private personal testimony that he had given on coronavirus and its origins. Uh, remember, immediately in the aftermath of this whole thing kicking off, Anthony Fauci was on a uh, a whirlwind spree within the 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 uh, the walls of the NIH, working with scientists all around the world, trying to figure out how they could sigh up the American people and and the world at large. And, and make them believe that there, this had nothing to do with a lab leak, that it came from a bat, came from a bat and a pangolin uh, making love uh, in, a, in a wet market. And then uh, a person made soup and I guess they just didn't heat it up good enough. So anyways, um, we have uh, perjury charges, uh, which Anthony Fauci may find himself uh, actually having to face. Again, this is the Biden Justice Department. I don't know how likely it is those charges are actually going to make their way to him. Uh, but I, I think that it shows that we are moving in the right direction. Now, something else that shows we're moving in the right direction is the public perception of Joe Biden, his criminal enterprise being run under the auspices of the Biden political dynasty. The Biden crime family is more like it. And it appears that 60 percent of likely voters believe what we believe, that Joe Biden is involved in an illegal cover up 
so that he can hide his involvement in Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings. Last week, we heard about the change in language messaging coming from the White House. For years, the official narrative was that Joe Biden had never spoken to Hunter about his business dealings, had never had anything to do with the business dealings, had never profited from those business dealings. But as we know, recently, Devin Archer's testimony came up and suddenly everything has to change. So right now in this study that was asking how likely is it that Joe Biden has been part of an illegal cover up to hide his involvement in his son Hunter's business deals, we have 45 percent of those who responded said it's very likely. Fifteen percent said somewhat likely. Sixteen percent said not very likely. 18% said not at all likely, and then another 5% were unsure. And this was before Devin Archer's testimony before Congress, where essentially he would be saying that Joe Biden had a lot to do with Hunter Biden's ongoing foreign business dealings. So continuing on that track, this morning at 10 a.m., Devin Archer was set to appear before Congress in a private closed-door session where he was expected to give the testimony that I just alluded to, that while he was in business with Hunter Biden doing foreign overseas deals, Joe Biden got on a number of calls, dozens of calls, uh, if not 20 or more calls, uh, while Hunter Biden was invested in these active business deals. And so that testimony in and of itself is enough to sink Joe Biden's presidency. It was expected that he was going to tell lawmakers that President Biden had met with dozens of Hunter Biden's business associates while he was vice president between 2009 and 2017. That is even further than simply getting on the phone to have a conversation or to say, hey, I'm Joe Biden and I approve this message. I'm Joe Biden and I approve whatever pay to play scheme you and my son are going to cook up before I hang up so that I have plausible deniability. You can't do that when you're actually in person. Now, we didn't even need Devin Archer to say this. I mean, we've seen the photographs. I've shown them here on the show before. Devin meeting with Hunter, meeting with Joe meeting with a whole host of foreign business associates. Now, James Comer, prior to Devin Archer's testimony, said that the Oversight Committee will continue to follow the facts to provide the transparency and accountability that the American people demand and deserve. We look forward to speaking soon with Devin Archer about Joe Biden's involvement in his family's business affairs, as do we all. We want to see. Now, of course, the the one set of people who are not excited about Devin Archer's testimony that he gave earlier today was, of course, Joe Biden's administration, the the DOJ, the corrupt DOJ run by Merrick Garland, uh, essentially doing what they claimed Bill Barr was doing when he was uh, attorney general, acting as Joe Biden's private attorney. Uh, He essentially sent the DOJ over the weekend to try to stop Devin Archer from coming in. Recently, in the last week, Devin Archer lost his final appeal. So it's a foregone conclusion. The man will be going to prison. And of course, Devin Archer has some thoughts on that. Hunter Biden had some thoughts on that. We're going to go over that in a moment. But the DOJ attempted to weaponize its power to stop Devin Archer from coming in and being able to testify to all of those dirty little details that we spoke about before. Uh, Now, of course, the DOJ denies that they were attempting to weaponize their power, but 
over the weekend on a weekend day, the DOJ made it very clear that they did not want Devin Archer, a key witness in the case against the Biden crime family, to come in and implicate either Hunter or Joe in any of the foreign business dealing that they all had. Now, the DOJ sent a letter essentially intimidating Devin Archer, letting him know that they wanted him to come in so that he could go to jail as soon as possible. Now, of course, Devin Archer's uh, lawyers had some thoughts on this as well, uh, but so did the members of the House Judiciary Subcommittee looking into the weaponization of government. Uh, it was actually at the behest of our, our good friend Matt Gates. He demanded lawmakers return to Washington, D.C. so that they could call for an immediate emergency hearing concerning this alleged interference by the DOJ into congressional oversight. Now, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York has asked, oh, why did that happen? Judge Ronnie Abrams, okay, to schedule a reporting date for Devin Archer. That means he just needs to come in. He's got to be essentially taken off to jail. They need to know the date that he's going to come in and surrender himself. Uh, now, if it would have been for the decision just handed down by the second court of appeals, Archer may have still been twisting in the wind. But since he was found guilty on these two felony counts, and uh, of course, this was a fairly large scheme to defraud a Native American tribe, uh, the Ogala Sioux and uh, the Wakpamani Lake community, uh, it was uh, decided that Devin Archer is uh, basically deserves to go to jail. Now, he's not the only one who deserves to go to jail. Uh, and I think a lot of people believe that perhaps the Bidens need to be in jail as well. But the assistant U.S. attorney, Nigar Takiki, uh, revealed in this one-page letter to prosecutors that they had previously asked Matthew Schwartz, who is Arch's attorney, to suggest a reporting date. However, Schwartz deemed this as premature because of the ongoing appeals, so no reporting date was ever set. Uh, the members of the oversight committee that were planning to engage in an emergency closed-door meeting to determine exactly what type of interference the DOJ engaged in included representatives Matt Gates, Mike Johnson, Chip Roy, Harriet Hagman, and Dan Bishop. Uh, they were not even in Washington, D.C., but unlike many lawmakers who spend most of their time away from their jobs, they were willing to come back immediately. Now, of course, the, the fear was that Devin Archer would not be able to testify because the DOJ would essentially stop him. They would come and arrest him uh, and uh, preclude any ability for him to testify. But luckily, Devin Archer was able to make it. Now, I said his uh, counsel had a bit of a response in regards to the letter that the U.S. Attorney's Office had sent to Judge Ronnie Abrams asking for the scheduling of this date. And here is that statement right here. The government disagrees with counsel's position that a report date should not be set and respectfully requests permission to respond to any arguments made by the defendant. That's actually from the lawyers uh, for the prosecution. Uh, and uh, here is that letter itself. Let's take a look at this. In light of the foregoing the government respectfully requests that the defendant be ordered to surrender at a date and time determined by the court to a facility designated by the Bureau of Prisons to commence his term of imprisonment. The government has conferred with counsel for the defendant about this request and asked the counsel to propose a date for the defendant's surrender. Counsel responded with the following position. Mr. Archer believes it is premature to set a report date in light of this highly anticipated continuing appeal, as well as the newly discovered sentencing error that the government 
government has now conceded. Counsel for Mr. Archer will put in a response to the government's request by Wednesday, which would be two days from today. The government disagrees with counsel's position that a report date should not be set and respectfully requests permission to respond to any arguments made by the defendant. So things are up in the air for Mr. Archer. Uh, Luckily, he was able to make it into Washington, D.C., and uh, there is a whole host of questions that I'm sure people are going to be hoping that they asked. When that full transcript comes out later this week, you can bet we're going to be bringing that to you here. Uh, I'll be going over that in detail because whatever it is Hunter Biden has done in the past, Devin Archer was directly next to him at that time. He was Hunter Biden's best friend, Hunter Biden's close business associate. And whatever it is he's going to tell this congressional committee uh, is going to be a revelation. So let's take a look at uh, some of the questions suggested by our friends here at The Daily Caller. What was discussed by Hunter Biden on calls over speakerphone where Joe Biden was a listener or participant? When Joe Biden received those calls from Hunter Biden, was, was Hunter simply putting him on the phone with the people he was doing business with? Uh, Was it just to say, hey, dad, I'm at dinner with such and such, this Russian or Ukrainian oligarch? Or did the conversation tend to get a little bit more detailed? Uh, Perhaps what exactly was being promised? If you do business with the Bidens, you can assume that you're going to get this or that in return. Certainly, Mikola Zlachevsky from Burisma believed that this was a quid pro quo relationship. And I find it difficult to believe that the rest of Joe and Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings didn't also include some type of quid pro quo. We'd also like to know, did Archer or any of his business partners ever refer to Joe Biden as the big guy? You can bet your bottom dollar that's going to be one of the first questions that they asked him uh, because it turns out that uh, this was a term that was often used to refer to Joe Biden. It wasn't just Archer. It wasn't just Hunter Biden. Uh, There were a number of other people involved in Biden crime family business dealings that referred to Joe Biden as the big guy as well. Anything to not refer to him as Joe Biden. We also need to know if Devin Archer or Hunter Biden ever made direct payments to Joe Biden. Uh, You can bet that money certainly exchanged hands, uh, but I would have to guess that Joe Biden, uh, especially after all of the reporting done by the Oversight Committee, Joe Biden probably had all money that was directly meant for him go into some sort of escrow, some sort of trust account, perhaps a foreign bank account, but certainly money was exchanging hands. Uh, Also, apart from Hunter, did any members of Joe Biden's family or personal staff ever communicate with Archer, Zlachevsky, or Burisma executives? It's obviously very important because it appears from those bank accounts that virtually everyone with the last name Biden was somehow getting paid for work that Hunter and Joe were doing. It would be very interesting if it turns out that maybe Ashley Biden or perhaps uh, the younger Biden girls that uh, uh, that Hunter was paying, if, if perhaps they had a conversation with Zlachevsky or anybody else from Burisma or any other sort of foreign business dealing by that logic. So this is Devin Archer arriving for court earlier today. I think we've got a small clip of that. We're going to go ahead and bring that up in a moment. But let me just remind you here uh, how how happy, how how refreshed Devin Archer appears to be. He, he truly does look like the cat that caught the canary. 
He's very, very happy, warm, all smiles. He knows exactly what he's going to be saying when he gets inside that closed door situation so that he can open up and tell Congress exactly what's going on. I mean, what did he witness as Hunter Biden's close friend and business associate? Uh, And uh, maybe what it was like to have the Biden family turn on him uh, when he finally did get caught for something. Uh, And of course, we know specifically he's going to be talking about those phone calls and the meetings with foreign business associates that Biden and Hunter were involved with. Uh, You can, I'm sure, remember that Hunter and Devin, uh, They both worked at Burisma, uh, also at Rosemont Seneca Partners Investment Firm. Uh, Over the weekend with that letter going out, there was some speculation that perhaps uh, Devin Archer wouldn't be able to make it. But, you know, obviously this is very important. And I think that he understands uh, that this information needs to get out sooner rather than later. The American people deserve the truth. Oops. Uh, Hold on. I did not mean to close that. Reopen last close tab. Okay, here. I I just want to show the clip of Devin Archer walking in. Mr. Archer, what do you uh, intend to tell the committee today? Do you have anything to say? Did you have meetings with the Bidens? And can you elaborate on what they did? Did anyone tell you not to appear today, sir? I would be very surprised if anyone told him directly not to appear, but I think the implication is clear. They did not want Devin Archer to show up. Now, thinking about what Devin Archer could potentially discuss behind closed doors, well, we have no shortage of details, personal messages, emails, photographs, videos coming from Hunter Biden's own laptop. And on that laptop is no shortage of communications with Devin Archer specifically. Of course, including uh, the specifics of their overseas business dealings, uh, what role Joe Biden may have uh, directly played in this, um, perhaps even what they thought about the things that they were doing. Now, with Hunter Biden's painstakingly crafted sweetheart deal falling apart, I think it's pretty wonderful timing that Devin Archer is coming in here uh, to give his testimony. Is there going to be new revelations coming from Devin Archer's testimony that could potentially impact the future arrangements that Hunter Biden is attempting to make with the Department of Justice? I mean, certainly the judge in that case has a little bit of leeway in determining what she can say, uh, what she can determine Hunter Biden should be uh, appropriately charged for. Uh, Here is a, a selected message from Hunter Biden's laptop where they discuss H holding a certain amount, a certain percentage, 10% for the big guy. The big guy, of course, being Joe Biden. Uh, And uh, in the something like 155,000 emails, uh, there are a number of emails that discuss Joe Biden as uh, as being the big guy. Uh, So continuing on here, uh, this is some communications from that laptop, which detail the relationship between Devin and Hunter. Now, I said recently that uh, Devin probably feels that he was left behind by the Biden family. I mean, he's the only one who has gotten any criminal charges for any of the business dealings they've engaged in. You'll notice they haven't charged him with uh, any FARA violations, as far as I can tell. And that's probably because if they did, they would have to charge 
Hunter Biden. They may even have to charge Joe Biden. But here is Devin with Joe Biden. uh, And this is at one of their overseas business dealings. Now, I think it's worth mentioning that Devin Archer was arrested by Joe Biden's Justice Department. Uh, And uh, with his uh, with his arrest and prosecution, man, it's probably safe to say that he's going to have a major axe to grind. Now, in text messages exchanged between Devin and Hunter, Devin asks Hunter, why did your dad's administration arrest me? Of course, he's probably pretty angry. Why did your dad's administration appointees arrest me and put me in jail? Just curious. Some of our partners are asking out here. Why would they try and ruin my family and destroy my kids and no one from your family side step in and at least try to help me? I don't get it. And I'm depressed. Bunch of these Asians getting in my head asking me the same. So just curious what I should answer. Bunch of what Asians, Devin Archer? Are you talking about the Chinese business associates that you guys were still in business with when Joe Biden clinched that fake win uh, or, or when he was running for president? Here we go. Have you seen Cash App? Try using my code and we'll each get $5. <laughs> Any luck, buddy? I don't have a bank account. I can't do Cash App. <laughs> Okay, buddy. Uh, How did we do last time? Fits an issue, no problem. We are going skiing today and just wanted some cash for lunch. Hope the Eudora money will hit today. Sorry to ask. This place is next to Wachusett's. Have you been there? It's a cool little mountain. And then Devin Archer replies, this is Hunter asking Devin Archer for money. (laughs) And he replies with, uh, this is the next day, (laughs) the next day. Why did your dad's administration put me in jail? Like, what in the heck is going on? Clearly, he was not happy about that. And he's had a lot of time to go ahead and uh, think about. Yeah, what's up, Jake? Where's Brian? Hold on. Okay, so I forgot to leave that broadcast. (laughs) It was still going. Okay. Uh, So Hunter Biden told Devin Archer in 2018, roughly one year before he was arrested by the people who would soon be working for Joe Biden. And that's actually uh, an important point to make. It was it was in 2019, a year before the election, a year and a half before the election. And Devin Archer is already calling those people working at the DOJ uh, Joe Biden's appointees. These were these people who were placed in the DOJ ahead of time so that Uh, Anything that Donald Trump wanted to look into would be just swept under the rug and deal and the the Biden crime family would continue to be protected. I tend to think so. So back in 2018, uh, they were discussing exactly what was happening. So uh, Hunter told Devin Archer that they would be the ones to get the last laugh after a judge had thrown out the initial 2018 conviction. In 2018, November, Archer told Hunter Biden, the judge threw out my conviction today. And of course, Hunter said, thank effing God. First good news is way too long, my friend. I am so happy for you. I know it's been a hell, a living hell, but uh, put it behind you now and take a great step forward. Now, this is uh, the same case that Archer is facing prison time for now. $60 million of tribal bonds that were stolen. 
Uh, and at the time, the judge had assessed that Archer had failed to show that he knew the bond issue was fraudulent or that he received any personal benefit from it. I think the only reason that first decision was handed down is because of his close association with the Bidens. So the conviction was then reinstated by the Second Circuit Court of Appeals a month before the 2020 election. And then, of course, Archer was sentenced to a year and one day in prison in February of 2022, now having uh, having uh, uh, used up all of his appeals. Now, these text messages between them show that uh, Hunter and, uh, and, and, or, and Devin Archer were convinced that they were going to get away with everything they were doing. Hunter reassuring Devin Archer says that they would have the last laugh. And then Archer replies, I know, and I mean it. Can I please come see you now that I'm not a felon? He followed up, don't answer that, just when and where. And then Hunter joked that he liked Archer better as a felon and told him a date to come see him. Uh, Now, Archer had to forfeit nearly $16 million. He had to make restitution in the amount of $43 million. Good luck there. We also have a close close source to Devin Archer, who's confirmed uh, reports that he is set to testify about meetings uh, that he attended with those business partners and, of course, Joe Biden. Now, the exact details of those meetings are still not out, uh, but the writing is on the wall. Uh, It's not only 60% of the United States that understand what kind of a scumbag Joe and Hunter and the entire Biden crime family are. We've got CNN panelists who are also now admitting to the problems that Hunter has, and uh, as a result, Joe Biden has as well. Uh, Of course, they can only blame the Republicans so many times before it becomes patently obvious that the problem is at home. Let's take a listen to this. But Scott Jennings, the president has made being a family man a central part of his political identity. Uh, It's not Republicans, with all due respect, who made Hunter Biden into a complete scumbag on this and other issues. The, The ignoring his own daughter... For four years, and the president of the United States <laughs> hanging up a stocking for the dog, I mean the and not for his seventh grandchild. Okay, look, okay. We, can all, we can also have Marie, some, we can also have sympathy for people who are struggling with addiction. Let's right. keep this conversation right. respectful. I, 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 listen, I, I totally agree, and you know where I'm from. A lot of families deal with addiction, and you know who ends up picking up the pieces? The grandparents, and in this case, the grandparents would not acknowledge. This little girl. It is offensive. But the bottom line is. But they have now. The poll. <laughs> oh, what a hero. The- they, they acknowledged her like something like 24 hours ago. So th- this is obviously a very uncomfortable moment for the other panelists on CNN. Uh, trying to gaslight the American people into believing that. Hunter and Joe have some great familial relationship. I mean, we saw from Hunter's own messages that he was essentially a workhorse for Joe Biden running around the entire world, putting together business deals and then sharing all of the proceeds with Joe. Uh, Also, Ashley Biden, her diary, uh, also Project Veritas just put out a video today with uh, some some audio from Ashley Biden admitting that the diary was hers. So that means it's 100 percent legitimate Uh, taking showers with her father at an inappropriate age. My God, uh, something is terribly, terribly wrong with that family. So Joe Biden's appearance to be a family man uh, is nothing more than smoke and mirrors now. We do have some information about the inf- the uh, details of uh, the testimony that was given by Devin Archer, uh, and we've got a video clip here. Let's go ahead and pull this up. 
I'll get rid of the audio from this. One is Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan. He could lead a potential impeachment inquiry. The other GOP member is Andy Biggs. I think we'll start off by focusing on, on Burisma and the relationship of uh, Devin Archer to the Biden family. I'm, uh, I believe he can tell us things that we haven't heard before. Now, Dan Goldman of New York is here for the Democrats. Oh, this, listen to this. Listen to Dan Goldman try to rationalize Hunter and Joe jumping on a cell phone conversation in the middle of a foreign business dealing that Joe Biden's not even supposed to know about. Republicans say Archer is the linchpin to their investigation. Goldman is not so sure. We're all waiting for any pin, whether it be a linchpin or other pin, to figure out how this is connected at all to President Biden. We are told there are new bank records to review today. They are from Russia, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan. Boom. Russia, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan. This is on top of all of the other suspicious activity reports. More suspicious activity reports coming out as well. Bongino from Freight Awakening says, I don't give a shit what Joe Biden talked about on the phone with Hunter's corrupt business partners. Getting him on the phone is how influence peddling works. A first grader knows this. Exactly. Exactly. Joe Biden could have jumped on that call and said, wow, it's a cold day here in Delaware. And the fact that he's on that call insinuates that Hunter's work he's doing for these foreigners uh, is directly related to Joe Biden's presence in the business deal. This is exactly how influence peddling works. And Dan Goldman is a notorious shill and completely devoided from reality. Fox also has text messages from Archer and Hunter Biden. Hunter tells Archer they will, quote, have the last laugh. The committee says it will release a transcript of the interview in three or four days. Harris. Chad, thank you very much. Take a look at what's at stake. The Washington Examiner says why the Devin Archer testimony is so important. And the Examiner points out. So obviously he was the man. He was Hunter Biden's best friend, closest business associate, certainly the most important person in the Biden crime family to testify before Congress. This would be like getting uh, like Frank or, or, or James Biden to testify. But they're never going to do that because Joe would probably just have them killed. Uh, also, he, Devin Archer, served on the Burisma board with Hunter Biden. So if anybody knows what the hell Hunter Biden was doing for Burisma, Devin Archer is going to know. And then, of course, as I said earlier, they worked together at Rosemont Seneca, which was uh, essentially a clearinghouse for so many of these Archer. shady business dealings. Now, James Comer is the one who has been releasing those suspicious activity reports. He's the one who told us that there are several dozen more that are ready to come out. And those are the ones that will be coming from Kazakhstan, Russia and other places as well. Uh, and real quickly here, let me just say thank you very much. I see people. Yeah, panic in D.C. This is this is all about panic in D.C. Talking about the hunter becoming the hunted. Hunter has got to feel very, very, very worried right now. So last week, 
Comer revealed that the Biden family business had caused six banks to flag more than 170 large amounts of monies in these suspicious activity reports sent over to Treasury for review. This is 20 more than we had learned about previously. Now, suspicious activity reports often contain evidence of potential criminal activities. So certainly something that the Treasury should have been looking into. This would be something akin to money laundering, fraud, or perhaps illegal hush money payments coming through. Untitled 82, let's talk about these illegal aliens and their UFOs. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny that government is finally talking about the aliens? They're just not the ones from Mexico or, or Central America. We need to get them on the same page as us. So uh, when he appeared on uh, Fox News this uh, this Sunday, uh, he mentioned these several dozen additional suspicious activity reports. Now, back in March, uh, he got the first cache of suspicious activity reports. Uh, these would have had to do with Rob Walker. Uh, this is where we learned about that $3 million wire transfer from CEFC, the Chinese energy company, back in 2017. And then, of course, four Biden crime family members, which include Hunter, James, Haley, and an unidentified Biden. We don't know which one still received a collective $1.3 million from that initial $3 million transfer. Now, there was also Biden family businesses receiving more than $10 million from schemes in both Russia, excuse me, in Romania and China. Comer said there is another several dozen suspicious activity reports that were filed about other people, but Biden family members were the subject of those. That means that they were involved in some type of transaction involved with a major wire that has been flagged by a bank. And that's generally what happens when you are engaged in money laundering. Anybody knows that. Anybody working in law enforcement in the federal government knows that. Certainly the Treasury knows it. The FBI definitely knows it. But of course, because it's the Biden crime family, they just turned a blind eye. We've learned new information since we went there to Treasury the first time. We requested a limited number of suspicious activity reports. Those were all involving the Biden family. Now we've learned that there are some other deals and other transactions with additional entities and other people that we believe the Bidens may be subject to those same transactions on those suspicious activity reports as well. So the news continues to roll out. These people are bleeding from all of the criminal activity they've taken part in. Now come to find out last week in Hunter Biden's court hearing where that suspiciously good plea deal fell apart for him. Uh, turns out that he misled the judge. She asked him a question about his status as a lawyer. Now, is it all that surprising to learn that Hunter Biden lied before a federal judge? Uh, I tend to think not, but we learned that uh, the misleading of this judge is in regards to Hunter being asked about his status as a lawyer at that hearing. Uh, it was reported that the judge said, you're a member of the bar. And Hunter said, yes, your honor, District of Columbia and Connecticut, your honor. Okay, that's a pretty straightforward answer. But there is a little problem with that statement because we, the, we have records from Connecticut that show that Hunter Biden was suspended from practicing law in Connecticut more than two years ago. So this would have been, I think, that would have been after he got sober, so he should have actually had full knowledge of that. Now, 
the uh, the the uh, the the statement that was given about this uh, also said that Hunter is not currently in good standing. He failed to pay his seventy five dollar annual fees since two thousand eighteen. Of course. Why would you care about paying $75 in annual fees when you're addicted to crack cocaine and you're sleeping with Russian human trafficked prostitutes? Uh, Here is the state of Connecticut's judicial branch record about Hunter Biden. And it shows here that on June 14th of 2022, he was suspended uh, for failure to pay. He was also suspended back on November 30th of 2021. Uh, He was also suspended back on March 16th of 2021. So sounds like Hunter could have gotten this all taken care of, but uh, for whatever reason, he just never got around to it. Perhaps he was too busy working for those foreign companies overseas, not registering as a foreign agent. So clearly that's a lie. I wonder if Hunter's going to get a perjury charge from that. I wonder if the judge is going to look kindly upon it, wondering if she's even going to find out. Anyways, I mentioned that there were a number of individuals who had suggested Joe Biden is the big guy, clearly Hunter and Devin. But we've got a number of other people as well. Uh, Now, this is coming from messages that were revealed from FBI informants, uh, text messages and emails between Hunter Biden and his business associates. Uh, And also, this was part of the grand jury investigation into Hunter Biden. This is the one where the IRS whistleblowers claimed that they were politically influenced to protect the Biden crime family. Now, Mykola Zlachevsky, that was the Burisma oligarch, the Ukrainian oligarch who paid that $10 million to Joe and Hunter. Mykola referred to Joe Biden as the big guy. This is from that FBI informant who gave the FD-1023 to the FBI and informed them about all of the nasty stuff that the Bidens were into. Uh, Here is Mykola Zlachevsky himself, just in case you guys ever see him on television or see a picture of a dead body next to a river, and it happens to be him. Uh, We also had, of course, the IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley, uh, who said that the entirety of the DOJ was working to uh, obstruct the investigation. Uh, They wouldn't They wouldn't allow him to dive into the use of that term, the big guy, probably because it would so often lead directly back to Joe Biden. Uh, He said, uh, among other things, we wanted to question Walker, Rob Walker, about an email that said 10 held by H for the big guy. That's the first place that I ever heard of it. We had obvious questions like who was H? Who was the big guy? And why this percentage was to be held separately with the associated hidden information. But AUSA Wolf interjected and said she didn't want to ask about the big guy. She stated she didn't want to ask the questions about dad. So it's quite clear that the assistant U.S. attorney was also fully aware that dad, a.k.a. Joe Biden, was the big guy. Multiple people in the room spoke up and objected to her objection, and she responded, there's no specific criminality to that line of questioning. So without doing any type of research or investigation, she already knows that there will be no criminal elements uncovered by asking about the big guy. I think that that's 
quite obviously incorrect. Uh, James Gilyar, also another close Biden business associate, uh, he had actually dubbed Joe Biden the big guy back in uh, an email from 2017. He used this moniker for Joe Biden on a message he sent on May 13th of 2017. This is when he emailed Tony Bobulinski, another whistleblower who came forward before the 2020 election. Now, he confirmed that, yeah, Hunter, uh, excuse me, everybody referred to Joe Biden as the big guy. This email from 2017 revealed another business deal between Bobulinski, the Biden crime family, and then high-ranking members of the Chinese Communist Party. This is where that 10% would be held by H for the big guy. And then Gilyar himself called Joe Biden the big guy again in October of 2020, October 14th, in an email exchange with a panicked unnamed person. This is coming from the New York Post. Gilyar was asked if Hunter and or Joe or Joe's campaign would try to make it. Oh, we were never involved and tried to basically make us collateral damage. I don't see how that would work for them. Gilyar responded to the 607 message. I think in that scenario that he wins, they would just leave sleeping dogs lie. Just keep everything covered up. We won't look into it as soon as Joe Biden steps into Washington, D.C. If they lose, honestly, I don't think that the big guy really cares about that because he'll be too busy focusing on all the other shit he is doing. What do you think Joe Biden would have been up to if he would have lost? I mean, uh, certainly if Donald Trump would have been allowed to come back into Washington, D.C. for a second term, do you think that the investigations into the Bidens would have ramped up in the way that they have? I mean, take a look at Donald Trump's first administration. Uh, Clearly, the investigations were attempted and holdovers and future appointees of Joe Biden did their best to uh, to to thwart all of those investigations. I'm actually I think that we are in a really good place here, guys, like the fact that Donald Trump is not in Washington, D.C., regardless of whatever you may think about happening behind the scenes, it creates this illusion that all of the investigations of the Biden crime family and their revelations are happening under the Biden administration. Congress is doing its job, and I love to see it. Freight Awakening says, what about Bobulinski? He was the one of the first I heard confirm it. Yes, uh, he he was, and uh, this is actually, that, that was who we were mentioning there in that exchange uh, with James Gillier before uh, Tony Bobulinski. Where is it? Yes. In the email that they uh, exchanged on May 13th of 2017, that was uh, Tony Bobulinski right there. Also, uh, we have Jeff Roger. Now, Jeff was an executive at a wealth management company called Glenmead Trust Company. Now, Jeff used this moniker for Joe Biden, the big guy, in an email that he sent to Hunter Biden about Vice President Joe Biden's appearance at a dinner at the Whitehall Neck Sportsman Club. This is a private club in Delaware. This was back in 2013. So as far back as two, so 10 years ago, they were referring to Joe Biden as the big guy. Now, do you really think that if we were to look at a couple of decades worth of private communications, emails that were supposed to be uh, locked down as a result of uh, ongoing criminal investigations, that we wouldn't have found more evidence about Joe Biden being the big guy or perhaps other deals taking place with other nations in the uh, around the world? Uh, certainly, while Joe Biden was vice president, Hunt, see below, I was not there but heard all about it. The big guy made them happy. And then, of course, we have Hunter Biden himself uh, in a 2014 email to a person named Chuck Harple, who was a trade union lobbyist. 
uh, in this meeting, Hunter had hoped to set up uh, a meeting between the head of the North American Building Trades Union and Joe Biden himself. And the email came after not receiving a response after using an official channel. Uh, he said, I'll work on it. But is there any issue I should know about before I go around everyone and straight to him? Hunter questioned. What works best for you, for you and I, is for you to call the union president first. Say you talk to me and that you want to get all the facts before you talk to the big guy. Of course, Chuck Harple recalling Joe Biden as the big guy himself. Uh, the list goes on and on. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, has come out uh, after the closed door session with Devin Archer. She said that it was productive. Uh, if it was productive, I would imagine that it resulted in new information that we previously were not aware of uh, before Devin Archer walked through those doors. Uh, she said, I was holding my breath, you know. And then when I found out for sure that he was on his way, I was like, yes, this is finally happening. And then it turned into, God, I hope he does the right thing. The country needs this man to tell the truth. So it sounds like if it was a productive meeting, Devin Archer told the truth. Uh, we actually had three separate occasions where Devin Archer was scheduled to come in and he failed to show up for the hearings. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene said he failed to show because he was just trying to avoid testifying. This testimony puts him in a position where he can be implicated in more crimes. So, yeah, new information that we don't know about yet. Now, uh, because what he's going to jail for is completely unrelated to his business deals with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. He could be implicating himself in further crimes with no protection, no immunity, no guarantees, she said. The right thing to do is to tell the truth at all times, but it's easier to understand why it's been very hard to get him to even be willing to come in. Uh, now, Breitbart uh, had asked if the interview was constructive, and that's when she said it was productive, but she wouldn't share any more specific findings. Uh, and uh, like I said, we are looking to get that specific testimony by Wednesday, I'm thinking. All right. So before we close out the day here, uh, we did have some new statements coming out of the IRS whistleblowers who recently testified before Congress. Um, they said that they were kept out of DOJ meetings uh, that the attorneys of Hunter Biden claimed everybody was present at. So Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler doing their investigations into the crimes of Hunter Biden both testified uh, that they weren't allowed to attend these meetings uh, and that Biden's defense counsel, Chris Clark, stated publicly that uh, at the July 26 court appearance uh, that all of those people were actually present. Uh, so if this meeting took place and this is the same meeting where the plea agreement was supposedly reached, um, is it? reasonable to assume that they kept the IRS whistleblowers out of the room so that they couldn't protest uh, about the lack of investigation. I think that that's probably exactly what happened. Uh, the, the whole case was about Hunter Biden failing to pay his taxes and Hunter Biden trying to write off the cost of crack cocaine and hookers as a legitimate business expense. Uh, why wouldn't the IRS be present for it? Well, of course, with Hunter Biden uh, attempting to avoid any charges and Joe's administration trying to cover for him. Of course, they're not going to allow these people who are really going to call him out to be present. Now, considering the fact that the relationship 
between the Biden crime family and the United States government seems to be dissolving before our very eyes. I thought that this timeline of the relationship between the Biden crime family and the feds uh, was a good one to go over. Why? Well, because although it's only finally just happening and being revealed to the public, the federal government and a number of agencies within it have had full knowledge for years about the Biden family business, about the criminal actions taking place, all of the wrongdoing that they were involved in long before the FBI even got a hold of Hunter Biden's laptop. We had a number of whistleblowers come forward. We had a number of lawmakers attempt to blow the whistle on this. We had individuals inside government agencies attempting to do their own investigation, pursuing any sort of evidence they could find about suspicious things, illegal actions taking place inside the Biden crime family. But of course, the feds, the FBI, they blocked it at every step of the way. Every time they had an opportunity to, Government agencies were unable to get anywhere, even though they had the Bidens dead to rights. So let's take a look at this timeline. Between January of 2009 and 2017, Joe Biden was receiving Secret Service protection because he was vice president of the United States. Between 2009 and 2014, Hunter Biden was also a U.S. Secret Service protectee. On May 12th of 2014 was the date that Burisma announced the addition of Hunter to its board. They said Burisma will be holding Hunter Biden in charge of the legal unit and will provide support for the company among international organizations. Now, in May of 2014, David Spade, who was a former secretary of state and John Kerry's chief of staff, uh, briefed Kerry about press inquiries related to Hunter Biden, Burisma, and Chris Hines, who also in Incidentally, was the stepson of John Kerry. Of course, they'd want to know all about that. In February of 2015, we had a senior State Department official named George Kent raise concerns about the perception of a conflict regarding Hunter and his role on Burisma's board. By October of 2015, another senior State Department official, Amos Hochstein, raised concerns with then-Vice President Joe Biden as well as with Hunter himself, uh, stating that Hunter's position on Burisma's board would enable Russian disinformation efforts and risked undermining U.S. policy in Ukraine. Did a lot more than that. Uh, in November of 2015, that is when Burisma hired Blue Star Strategies. That was a Democrat lobbying firm. It was linked to now Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, and they were instrumental in Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin being fired. In October of 2018, Bud Cummins, who was a former federal prosecutor, reported bribery allegations to then New York Attorney General Jeff Berman in an email that he had sent showing that he had evidence Joe Biden had exercised influence to protect Burisma in exchange for payments to Hunter, Devin, uh, and Joe himself. By October 12th of 2018, Hunter Biden was actively using drugs and he applied to buy a handgun. Later that month, Hunter's gun was thrown into the trash bin of a local convenience store by his wife, Haley, uh, only to return later to find it gone. Of course, the Secret Service claims it has no record of its agents investigating this incident, although we know that actually happened. 
And then in August of 2019, we had documents made available to the public through a Freedom of Information Act request that that showed that there were investigations uh, into public attention that was paid to the Biden family business while Joe was working in the Obama administration. In November of 2019, Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson wrote that letter to the Department of Treasury, their Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, hoping to obtain suspicious activity reports on the number of entities that were run by the Bidens, also Hunter, uh, Devin Archer, Joe Biden, many more. And then by December of 2019, the FBI was in possession of Hunter Biden's laptop. Again, all of the information on the laptop they already were aware of. They had been protecting the Bidens for years at this point. They knew that Devin, excuse me, they knew that Hunter Biden's laptop could blow the lid wide open on the entire story and it could turn the entirety of America against Joe Biden. If the Biden laptop had come out and been fully aware to the to to this uh, to this nation, then there's no way that people would have believed that Joe Biden could successfully win 81 million votes. It was damn near hard enough to convince the American people of that uh, at the outset. Now, on December 8th of 2019, former Secretary of State John Kerry told a reporter that he had no awareness of Hunter Biden on Burisma's board during his time at the State Department. We know that's a lie. On June 30th of 2020, the FBI and an FBI informant were told that the big guy was involved in a $5 million influence peddling scheme. That's the document that just recently came out. On July 13th of 2020, Chuck Schumer, Mark Warner, Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff all sent a letter to the FBI to express their belief that Congress is the subject of a foreign disinformation campaign, meaning that they want everybody to be aware that the story about Hunter Biden's laptop is fake news before it even gets out there. And then at some point in 2020, Attorney General William Barr conveyed the form to the U.S. prosecutor David Weiss, suggesting that it's time to look into Hunter. In September, we had intelligence officials warn about big tech platforms Using Russian disinformation, that, of course, was the Hunter Biden laptop. There was nothing disinfo about it. In October of 2020, October 14th, the New York Post finally reported on that laptop from L. And then a few days later, Political published the letter declaring that it was Russian disinformation, citing those 51 intelligence officials. On October 15th, 2020, for reporting in detail on the Hunter Biden laptop, my YouTube account was deleted and I was unceremoniously removed from the platform. Uh, Cancel says, thank you for all you do, Zach. I love your work. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate you hanging out with us and thank you for your patronage. Thank you for supporting the show. So later on that month, in October of 2020, the FBI made an institutional decision to refuse to answer direct questions from social media companies about the laptop's authenticity. Why? Because they knew it was real. They knew that if they were asked and they told a lie, it would be a lot worse than if they just decided to not ask any, not answer any questions from the get. Months of constant information had been coming out up to that point. They knew that the laptop was real but they wanted to keep everybody in the dark. And then on October 23rd, 2020, we have Tony Bobulinski come forward. He told two FBI agents that Joe Biden stood to earn a 10% cut from Hunter and Jim Biden's CEFC, CCP controlled joint venture. And then in February of 2023, we had former White House stenographer Mike McCormick 
submit his own tip to the FBI, stating that Joe Biden committed crimes in Ukraine in a conspiracy with current National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. Jake Sullivan, of course, was directly tied to Hunter Biden, excuse me, to uh, 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 Hillary Clinton in the past, and he's been a longtime hanger-on to the Biden crime family. In July of 2023, we have Chuck Grassley making public that FBI informant letter alleging that Mikola Zachevsky had paid that $10 million bribe to Joe and Hunter and the entire Biden crime family. It has taken nearly three years, but uh, I, I'm I'm happy to say that my reporting on Hunter Biden's laptop, that your sharing of the story is finally making a difference. Uh, there are many other people who lost so much as a result of reporting on this stuff. I have been attacked. I have been maligned. The mainstream media has come out and attempted to destroy me in more ways than you can possibly know. I haven't even talked about all of them on the air. Uh, and, uh, and the reason that I reported on it is because it was the truth and people deserved to know about it. If it wasn't true, then Twitter wouldn't have shut down the New York Post's uh, uh, Twitter account. Uh, if it wasn't true, then YouTube wouldn't have banned and deleted my channel. Uh, if it wasn't true, then YouTube wouldn't have deleted all of those other channels that were reporting on it as well. Uh, doesn't matter to me that they took that from me. The one thing that matters, the one thing I care about is that the truth gets out to the American people. People deserve to know what the politics of this country are truly about. What are elected representatives are up to at any given point. And we must expose corruption wherever it lies. I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, or independent. If you're sitting in the halls of government and you're using this very powerful system for your own benefit, if you are subjugating the American people while smiling at us from behind and shoving your thumb up our rear end at the same time that I am not going to sleep well at night and I am not going to stop until you're exposed. The politicians of this nation right now here in America are a particularly disgusting breed. We've had corruption here in this country for many years, but right now it has reached a fever pitch. The The current leadership that we have in Washington, D.C., I say this all the time, the Biden crime family, it's not invective, okay? This isn't an exaggeration. These people are criminals. These people are the worst possible examples of humanity. They have taken everything they've built, the power, the prestige, the name recognition, and they turned it into money, into a cash machine. And while they're lining their own pockets, they are robbing yours, Take a look at your bank accounts and tell me that things are not tenuous. We are very close to 2024, and in the meantime, a lot of things can happen. Certainly, I hope that criminal elements of the United States government continue to be exposed and those people get exactly what they deserve. Now, please let me go over to the foxhole and give a couple of thank yous. Uh, Matt, 1776, what do you think of the UAP hearing? Yeah, you know, I mean, that's uh, what I opened the show with. Uh, I just I'm 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 really like totally disinterested 
because I feel like everybody knows there's UFOs. Everybody knows there's stuff that we don't know about. And I don't trust the government. I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. And I can't throw them because they're really big, <laughs> you know. So I think that the, the gravest threat to the American people are the criminals who are running this government as it sits right now. Uh, so thank you, Matt. I appreciate you, brother. Let me push pause. Oh, no. Shoot. Where did it go? Okay. Um, oh, my gosh. All of the gold pills are gone. What the heck? Hang on. Okay. Oh, God, I got him back. Okay. All right. So Rise Attire says he's been talking to the reptilians. Uh, Just Duckies uh, dropped a cookie. Thank you. Elizabeth G said, who's cheating who? Who was being true and who doesn't care anymore? Uh, Doug Simey said, drop some shades. Boise Blanc dropped a cookie. Harrington says, keep speaking the truth, brother. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate you. Uh, and then he bought a diamond subscription. Thank you very much for joining as a member over on pilled.net. M the painter says 10% for the big guy is always the answer. Why are we giving so much to Ukraine? Why so much for green energy? Exactly. It's all a grift. Every single place you look, there is an opportunity for earmarks to be sliced off, for payoffs to be diverted into foreign bank accounts or to go into a trust for the Biden crime family or to go to some other criminal organization that the Bidens happens to be working for. There's no reason that our government should be as bloated or uh, as large a budget as it is right now. We need to cut the fat, get rid of that stuff. And uh, there's enough money out there for everybody to be living comfortably and uh, not having to pay through the nose on, uh, on on the stuff that's required to keep you alive. Doug Simey, thank you very much for the cookie. Uh, Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. C.L. Goober, thank you for the cookie. And J2 Dank, thank you for the can. Uh, who cares, says 07 Zach, an RPGF reporter on the tarmac for Clinton meeting, died of suicide. Yeah, I remember actually uh, hearing about that. That was uh, certainly not an accident, and uh, I don't believe that man actually committed suicide. I think he was uh, suicided. All right, so uh, thank you very much to everybody for hanging out with us today. I will be back tomorrow at 5 p.m., but tonight I'll be back at 10.30 on Badlands Media for another episode of uh, Baseless Conspiracies. John and I are continuing our Illuminati series today, so tune in tonight at 10.30 p.m., and I hope to see you there. Good luck, and God bless. I'm going to pass out the gold pills now.